0: Today I am excited to welcome Jason Zircone. He is a professional brand architect, creator, and podcaster. He helps entrepreneurs, leaders, and professionals leverage the brand building power of the podcast medium to establish authority, increase visibility, and accelerate the evolution of their personal brand. He also hosts the Evolution of Brand podcast featuring authentic entrepreneurs and professionals sharing inspirational stories and tactical brand-building strategies to help you succeed in your professional pursuits. So thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited to chat with you.
1: Thank you for having me, Chelsea. I'm looking forward to having a great time with you today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I know I just read your bio, but I would love to hear a little bit more about you and what brought you to your business and starting your podcast.
1: Absolutely. So I've been podcasting since 2015, but the entrepreneurial journey really started for me back when I was 13 years old. I started off flipping baseball cards and football cards to friends at school and actually had an opportunity to have tables set up at card shows. So I was able to do that and wasn't, I wasn't really looking for any type of business, but I accidentally stumbled into it and realized how much fun it was to make money on my own. So throughout the years, I tried many different endeavors and some worked, some fell flat, all part mm-hmm. of the journey, right? Mm-hmm. And from there, I I got into craft beer advocacy back in 2013, started a blog, started doing some promotional work for different bars and breweries in Pittsburgh where I'm located. And that morphed into some sales and marketing and advertising opportunities and things just continued to go in different directions. And in that time I was podcasting, started that in 2015, as I said and really fell in love with it. I I had a radio show in college. So that really rekindled the fire for me. And when the pandemic hit in 2020, I was already in this mindset that I may have run the beer business as far as I could, or the beer advocacy, like things were changing in the business. And when I started, it it was all about awareness, but now people are pretty aware of what's Mm -hmm. going on with this and everybody's drinking good beer now. So not saying I had a Huge part in that, but maybe just a small role in helping people understand how good this product was. And I started thinking about the next direction I wanted to go. And in that time, I was helping a friend launch a podcast, and that to me was it. I was having so much fun, not only with my own podcasting endeavors, but also helping him. I knew that this is the direction I wanted to go. So I started Mm -hmm. talking to some other people, helping them launch podcasts. And in all of this, I started talking with people that were getting referred to us from guest booking agencies about their experience as being a guest and tell me more about working with the agency and why you value being a guest. And that's when it clicked for me. This is the ultimate platform for building your personal brand. Being on these podcasts and getting to have these unbelievably powerful conversations and just the networking aspects that are built into it as well. Chelsea, you can attest before we started today, we were talking for probably 15 minutes and we had a pre-call to get ready and we talked for about half an hour there. So like all the built-in networking opportunities that you get from connecting with others and bringing your value to the microphone, it cannot be duplicated. So I decided to put my focus on helping people do that in an incredibly powerful way. And I had learned from my experience and just from listening to podcasts that many people don't really do it right. Many people do. I mean, there's some people that do unbelievably great job with the communication aspect, but there's some that just want to show up and sell and not be a valuable resource. And my goal is to help people understand that there's so many opportunities available if you do this the right way. And if you do this the right way, not only do you get better, but the podcast product itself gets better, which is going to draw in more listeners, which grows the medium, which makes your message get amplified even further. So following this process is really where I'm putting my attention and helping people find the shows that align with their mission and their message. And that pretty much brings us up to where we are today.
0: Oh, that's awesome. I think so many, so many entrepreneurs can trace it back to much earlier times in their in their life and you know, back all the way back to school, thinking about times that they've just kind of gone for it or had a great idea. So I I love hearing where people started and how it evolved because that's another thing that was so surprising for me is I didn't want to change my mind when I started. I wanted to have it all kind of figured out. And so I love hearing people who have evolved in what they're doing, what they're selling, who they're supporting Mm -hmm. so that they can really niche down and find something that's going to be really exciting and special for them.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I'd love
0: to know what your first, did you start your podcast about brand evolution?
1: No, evolution of brand is the amalgam of all of my 7 years or almost 8 years at this point of podcast experience. Back in 2015 when the me and my buddy had been kicking around starting a podcast and we just couldn't land on what we wanted to talk about. And in the craft beer advocacy world that I was working in, I decided to launch this app that would help bre- breweries, bars, pretty much any entity in the beer space promote their products, promote their events. And I wanted to give everybody this little one-stop destination on their phone that they could access to see what was going on here in Pittsburgh. And in doing that, I had a lot of supporters, but I had this one guy who got on Twitter and just started trolling me. And I'm like, what the hell did I do to welcome this into my world? I'd never really experienced it. i thinking about it now. I'm like, oh, this means you've arrived. If you're making some people <laughs> mad, you've arrived. You've done something right. But at that point, I was like, what does this guy even do? Why does he feel like he has an opinion to tell me what's going on in this space? look at his profile and he had a beer podcast. And I said to my friend, got our idea. We're going to do a beer podcast and we're going to do it better than that guy. Love it. No, it was, I was, this is the number one piece of advice I give everybody is don't start a podcast out of spite because you can't win. <laughs> Me and my friend started the show. We really did little to no planning. The, 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 I think the whole, the planning basically said, let's talk about beer, but also we'll talk about other things. Let's talk about sports." So there's another no-no. We didn't niche down to a specific topic. We're all over the map. Like these are all mistakes that I'm happy I made because when I talk to people and coach them and help them in their own efforts, I can tell them, here's some things that I know I messed up on and they will not work. So you can learn from my mistakes and focus your efforts so you can get started on the right track and continue to build in the right way. So we started that show, recorded in a noisy bar, did not do any editing, pretty much just threw it out on the internet you know, I look back, I'm like, I can't believe I thought I was going to do better than this guy. He was like 500 episodes deep. It was, it was a train wreck, but at the same time, it was great experience. Mm-hmm. Rekindled my love for podcasting. We got to meet some incredible people, got to have some phenomenal conversations. So like, I look back on it thinking, yes, if I could change some things, I would have planned better, would have started things differently, would have started for a much better purpose. But at the end of the day, it really got me started on this path. And you got to get started somewhere, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That is very funny, though. I mean, it's great to. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, no, to- it was fun. It was, yeah. Like I said, look back; it's great memories, but it's also like, dude, don't ever do that.
0: Well, as as you mentioned, I mean, podcasting is such an amazing platform. It's super accessible. You get to network and meet amazing people, and share your knowledge and share mm-hmm. your, your expertise, and really highlight your your business and and what you can bring to your clients. Mm-hmm. And so as someone who's maybe toying with the idea of starting a podcast or just wants to get started, do you have maybe one or two tips that would set them off in the right direction?
1: Oh, no doubt. I think the biggest thing you have to focus on is understanding what you want to talk about. Make sure you're passionate about it. So if it's more brand related, which is more the space I work in when I'm talking with people, like it, ha- you, you have to make sure that the content is going to keep you engaged in the process because the process is a little bit tenuous it takes time to build your audience and it takes time to get good at what you're doing when i look back at 2015 i was not good yes i had some radio experience but that didn't necessarily translate to podcasting also i hadn't been on the microphone in 13 years so i had to learn how to get better and personally after the we we Canceled the first podcast. I started a second one. And then, probably about 25 episodes into that, I realized that if you really want to sink your teeth in this, you've got to take some time to learn what you're doing. So, this was a personal choice. I just decided to stop that podcast and take a year and a half to study listening to other podcasts, listening to radio personalities and television personalities. How are they interviewing people? How are they communicating with the audience? I really wanted to have a strong understanding of how that works so I could take some of those skills and things I heard and transfer them into what I was doing. So that was my choice, but I can tell you with complete honesty and knowing that I'm 100% right, you get better as you practice. It's just like anything else. You put in the reps, you put in the practice swings, you're going to improve. So understanding that the process does take some time. If you're passionate about what you're talking about, it's going to help you enjoy the process even more. So that's a great place to start knowing that you're going to niche down to a specific topic that you're passionate about. And you could talk to, talk about when no one's listening. That'll help you. Absolutely. And then have a plan of action and really, truly commit to that plan. Don't break promises to yourself and say, yeah, I'm going to put two years into this and really make it, make it go. And then three months in say, no, this, this, this isn't working. I'm done. It's hard to accomplish anything starting fresh in three months let alone a podcast, because it takes time for listeners to buy into what you're doing. So you really have to be committed to giving them a quality product and give them a reason to come back each and every time you launch an episode. And when you launch an episode, you want them to listen and say, this was so good. I'm going to turn around to somebody in my circle and say, you've got to listen to Chelsea's podcast. It's so good. I'm learning so much. The guests are bringing so much powerful information to the mic. You're going to love it. That's how you grow an audience.
0: Yeah, Exponential
1: growth kicks in, but you can't get there unless you're putting quality content on a consistent basis in front of your audience. So focus on those two things as you start. And quickly, I'll add, do not get fixated on your download numbers. That will derail you. That will make you hate this. Do not think about that, especially in the very beginning. Focus more on the quality of the content and that's going to get you where you need to go.
0: All right, that's great advice. And it's funny you say that getting hung, hung up on the download numbers. Cause that is something that I absolutely track every week, not yeah. for any reason other than I want to see the growth, but you, you can really get hung up on audience size and downloads and reach and thinking yeah. about all those nuanced things. But really the point is you're having these conversations and you're, mm-hmm. you said you're bringing value to your audience. And as long as you can keep being consistent with that, that's really where you're going to have the most benefit and your audience is going to have the most benefit.
1: Oh, certainly. And I think if I'm going to say anything about download numbers, if you're going to evaluate them, don't get fixated on the certain week that you release an episode, focus on your entire catalog and how it's doing, because Mm -hmm. just because you're on episode 112 doesn't mean episode 37 is any less valuable. And a new listener may find that episode through random search, or it was recommended to them. So that's where their journey with your podcast began. And then when they say, whoa, this was really good, they're either going to go back in the catalog and start from episode one, or they may go to the end and start listening to the most recent episodes. Either way, that is impacting your download numbers. So you can't get hung up on one episode. You have to look at how your whole catalog is performing. And that's what you can really start to get granular by digging in and looking at items like, where are people like, what's my consumption rate? Is the average listener dropping off 15 minutes before my show ends? Or are they staying for the most part through the whole episode? And that can help you make little tweaks along the way. So if you're doing an hour long episode, but the majority of people are dropping off after 45 minutes, shorten your episode length, that's less work for you. And it's your audience telling you, this is what we want give it to us. Mm -hmm. And that's going to help you grow. And that'll impact all of the numbers at the same time.
0: Yeah. Well, as entrepreneurs, we wear a lot of hats. We have a Mm -hmm. lot lot to do. So what are some things that people can think about if they're considering starting a podcast to make it go maybe a little bit easier, a little bit faster as as they're starting to put it together?
1: Yeah, I think I know that this is a big topic that you cover here on your show. And I know it's something we're going to talk about as well. It's time management. Mm-hmm. That's really what it comes down to. And it's no different than anything else that you work into your schedule. If you don't have time to do it, it's going to become more of a chore than it is something you enjoy. So if you're doing a podcast, then let's say you have two hours a week that you can dedicate to making your podcast and, and doing the recording and then doing the editing and getting it out into the world. You don't want to do a two-hour podcast episode because that's right. that sucks up all your time. Now, how do you edit? How do you get that ready to go out? How do you promote it? If you're out of time, you're out of time. So looking at how you manage the length of your episode, for one, it's easier to produce shorter content just by default. It takes you less time in the long run with the post-production work you have to do. But you're also giving something to, to the audience that they can digest in a shorter period of time on a commute to work, or maybe during a walk or a, a workout at the gym. And as they work you into their life, you want to be there for them consistently. So if you're not managing your time right, you may run into an instance to where, well, I can't get my podcast ready this week. So I'm just not going to do it. And that will hurt you because the people that have worked you into their life will now find another podcast that may potentially replace you for good. And you don't, and then it's it's almost impossible Maybe impossible is a too strong of a word, but it's hard to get them to work you back into the rotation because they only have X amount of hours per week to dedicate to their podcast listening. So if you've captivated them and grabbed their attention, you want to hold on to it like grim death because yeah. again, it's, it's so valuable to have that attention and you've earned it with the valuable content you've been giving them. So do not give people a reason to walk away. And if you lose track of time and the consistency drops off, that's a good reason for them to walk away. The easiest way to do this, at least the way that I've done it, that I feel has worked best for me is to batch content, have a day or two where you're dedicated to doing a few episodes, so you can have episodes lined up for the future. That way, if other things come along in your life, other priorities at work, even in your personal life, you're not anchored down by having to get this podcast episode out. You know, it's, you know, think about it. if you have an episode out on Tuesday, and you haven't done anything yet, and it's Sunday night, you're probably gonna start to panic a little bit, or you're just gonna say, eh. I don't care. And when you start to get complacent, that's when things start to derail. It just moves more and more down the priority list. So planning your content out in advance. And I will say, I know if you're doing like a topical show with current events, it's hard to do that. But the majority of podcasts are based around evergreen content. Mm
0: -hmm. So if you're
1: doing a show that people could find five years from now and still get value from, that's a pretty easy batching scenario to where you can get a few experts lined up knock it all out in a day or two during your week, and then get back to other business and not be bogged down by this process.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, we talked about the accessibility of podcasting. So the the time management piece is so important. I love batch working. It's so much easier, especially with editing, Once you're already kind of in the zone to keep, keep chugging along and you get into the rhythm of whatever tool you use and you hear your voice and you start catching those quick things that you need to edit out much faster. You've also become a better speaker. And even I talked about this when we did our our kind of chat beforehand, that I was so frustrated editing the first couple episodes because I was speaking so slowly (laughs) and using weird, filler words that I don't use in normal conversation. And so you, as you said before, you get better with that practice, but also when you're in the zone of editing it, you just pick on, on that much faster and can kind of cruise through it much easier. And having those scheduled ahead of time is such a relief when at the end of the day, because you don't want to be trying to cram that in every single week.
1: Yeah. That's where I I can I can thank PodMatch, which is a service that I swear Mm -hmm. by that's actually where you and I met, Chelsea. Mm -hmm. It's so good in regards to helping you communicate with podcasters, whether you're looking to book guest appearances or you're looking to have guests come on your show. And you can use the platform for both, but you can get so far ahead that it for me, for my show, I got so far ahead that I couldn't tell people, listen, yeah, let's record today, but I'm not going to be able to release your episode for seven months. Right. I felt terrible doing something like that because so much can change in that time frame So I look at it as the only solution to this is to start releasing more content every week. And I'm like, this is the greatest problem I could possibly have right now. And I'm having that problem again to where now some weeks I'm, I'm slowly working towards three episodes a week. If I keep going down that track to me, I'm like, okay, this is opening up more opportunities where I could start going to maybe daily, maybe putting more sponsorship opportunities on the table. Who knows? Like the more quality content you put out there and the more great connections you make, the more opportunities you could put put in front of yourself to grow and thrive, and not just in the podcasting space, but with everything else you do. And to speak to your point, Chelsea, I, I don't think any podcaster with, with speaking in full honesty could say. Yeah, I sound just as good on episode one as I do on my episode today. Not a chance. I would go back to even having years of experience. I go back to the first episode of Evolution of Brand to where I'm at now as we speak. I'm going to be releasing episode 96, I think. I'm like totally different. (laughs) I hear my, I'm like, wow, you've even gotten better on this podcast. But it's also, you get more of a feel for who you're talking to and how you want to communicate your message. Again, all the practice swings pay off.
0: Yeah. And you've inspired me to start releasing more content as well, because I've been able to speak with so many amazing mm-hmm. people that I want to kind of highlight them. I want to, I don't, don't want to put them on a weird long backlog list. Um, right. So, yeah, exactly. So it's exciting. And you see growth much faster mm-hmm. when you're able to produce more content as well. So that's Absolutely. really, really exciting. Indeed. Well, one of the things I love to talk about this podcast is that personal productivity piece. So kind of Take us behind the scenes a little bit to what a normal day or week in your life and your business look like.
1: I can tell you before I read The One Thing Mm -hmm. by Gary Keller and Jay Papazan, it was, I guess, if anybody looked at my calendar, they would be like, this is the tapestry of a madman. (laughs) How in the hell is this person operating under? Because I didn't really have a structure. I just knew, okay, today I got to get this, 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 and this done. But in that time, I also have this podcast recording or this interview and I really wasn't looking at time. I was just looking at, okay, I have this many hours in the day. What can I get in, get done in that time frame? That is a horrible way to be productive. So I read the one thing and I'm thinking that the time batch, I mean, obviously it's zeroing in and finding what your specialty is and really putting all of your time and attention on that one task that's going to make everything else unneeded or unnecessary. I believe that's how the quote goes, mm-hmm. but- When the time I got to the time blogging session, I'm like, wow, this makes so much sense. Because then I started thinking back to past corporate jobs where I would say, okay, from 11 to one, I'm doing this. And then from two to three, I have this meeting. And in between there, I'll get my lunch, blah, blah, blah. Like, well, this is very easy to implement if I just start thinking about, okay, what's the time of day where I'm going to be the most productive? And I started thinking, all right, how how can I implement this in and slowly make changes? Because trying to change it all on a whim is probably not going to lead to anything. So I started working half an hour of block time into my schedule each day and said, here's where I'm going to start working on. I was doing at that point, I was doing more writing. So let's start doing some writing and see how this works and that. And I just focused on that. And I'm like, damn, what a difference. Cause yeah. I wasn't focused on anything else. I had my phone off and all our web browsers closed. I had one window open totally dedicated to that project. So I'm just like, well, no brainer. If I start doing these throughout the day, it's going to also give me that type of productivity. And that was exactly what I did. So I started blocking off time. I give myself one hour every day where it's open-ended, but it's uninterrupted. Mm -hmm. What can I do in this hour? And I always plug something into that slot that I know I'm going to work on and just let the world disappear. I know the world's still going to be operating when I come back. That was When you can get to that point in your business as a whole, you'll allow yourself to take some vacations, You'll allow yourself to take some time away. I know this is something we talked about at the beginning before we turned the mics on too. It's like, you got to give yourself that time to recharge. Absolutely. Time blocking can help you do that. It will start to help you realize that you don't have to work 15 to 17 hours a day because you're focusing on a specific item at a specific time. And it's allowing you to get the most important work done in a timely manner. So, you know, one to two days a week is when I'll podcast. I, I do that every other week. I'll block off three hours on Monday and three hours on Tuesday every other week. Those are my open times. People schedule with me, they fill in those blocks. So I know in that block time, I'm recording podcasts. It allows me to control things. Mm -hmm. Just saying to somebody, when do you want to record? Because now I'm on their schedule and that's going to suck productivity from another part of my business or another part of my life because now I got to be where they are when they need to be or when they want to be there. So that time blocking allows you to control things a little bit more and keep your mind where it needs to be. So that's pretty much, like I said, I block a few hours each day for certain tasks, try to be done by about six o'clock. I'm more of a night owl too. So I do like to work a little later, but that's, that's just me. I just, I enjoy that. Like it's a weird tick. I know it, but you know what relaxes me before I go to bed, editing a podcast. It's so goofy because some people say, oh yeah, you're staring at a computer screen. That'll help. And it it for whatever reason it does. The only time there it did, is, I had a weird bout with insomnia a few years ago, and one of my clients is a therapist, and she told me that's probably why. Mm-hmm. So I got away from it, and I, and it seemed to fix things. But I also realized there was a couple other things that I was like in regards to eating, not drinking mm-hmm. enough water, that was throwing my sleep off too. So every now and then I feel like if I can do a podcast and then maybe read a few pages of a book, if I fall asleep, I'm happy. And that's what's been going on. So I'm like, I'm gonna keep rolling with it. But (laughs) like I said, that's just me. And the good thing about time blocking is you find what works for you. Yeah. You're allowed to make it. To your liking, so you can be the most productive. There's no blanket way to do this, right?
0: Exactly. Find
1: it, find it for you. You know you're going to be in a good space.
0: Yeah, yeah. I absolutely talk about that. Like, it, it is personal. It's not a copy paste approach, and and nor should you be looking to copy paste anybody's schedule or routines because it's it's not going to fit for Mm-mm. for you or your life. What was the hardest part about blocking out some of those distractions and resources? I mean, you say it closed the browser tabs, and I feel myself like bristle. At that. So, what was the hardest part about shutting out some of those distractions?
1: We're always we're we're all addicted to something, right? Yeah. So whether it's email notifications, Instagram, whatever is coming in that you are addicted to. If you've seen the social dilemma documentary on Netflix where they talk about, you know, you just reach for your phone hoping it's got something for you. That for me was the biggest thing. I mean, it, sometimes I'll put my phone in another room mm-hmm. just to eliminate the distraction. So for me, it was that because I'm constantly like, I want to see. What's there? Maybe I got a message. Maybe there's something that's not pressing, but you have to build that mindset of whatever it is, you know, unless it's some I mean, absolute crazy emergency that were to come up in that hour timeframe, which I, that's a rarity, mm-hmm. then you don't need it right that second. And it's going to be there when you get back to it. So if you can take that half an hour or an hour, turn the phone off. And that, and, and that was, for me, the email browser is being open. If I saw a little notification pop up, I'm like, oh, I got to go check what email I got. Also, it's going to be there when I'm done. So closing all the browsers and just having one thing open, it was tough to get to that point. But once you get there, it's just building that mindset of how you need to proceed with doing this and saying, I don't want to be distracted for this hour. And will you be perfect at it from the start? Probably not. Just like quitting smoking. And I'm proud to say at this point, I'm 10 years since I quit smoking. But I remember at the beginning, it was tough mm-hmm. because I knew I, I knew I had to get away from it but i had to start having these conversations with myself of okay what am i going to do instead that's going to keep me focused on something else and not wanting to go have that cigarette and yeah. it, it, and and there were times you could easily, like, okay i'm going to do this task or this project and it was fine or sometimes you'd break and be like screw it i'm going to go do it and once i finally just got to the point where i said this is this all of what i'm doing to stop this is more important than going to go do that cigarette or have that cigarette that changed it for me yeah so I think that's how you have to look at your projects as well and saying that this is my most important item to accomplish today and nothing is more important than me getting this done. I'm going to take the time necessary to do that. So again, whether you're working on something for an hour a day to accomplish that that feat, that's great. As long as you're commit you're committed to doing it and you're not letting distractions pull you away that would ultimately divide your thinking and your focus, then you're going to be fine. I mean, I, I can tell a great story from a, a woman that was on my podcast, Alaya Harris. She had talked about the one thing as well. Mm-hmm. And she said her schedule was pretty much like mine. It was a complete mess. And she had a coach ask her if she ever went to the bathroom during the day because she just had so much on her plate. Yeah, and She said she read the one thing, it changed her thinking and a project that she had been working on trying to get done for four and a half months, I believe was the time frame. Finished it in a week. Amazing. Right. Think about yeah. the time difference there. One week versus four and a half months. Just by dedicating certain time each and every day to accomplishing that task. Yeah. Once you can get there mentally that this is going to allow me to do my best work and get my best results, I think that will drive you further than anything else possibly could.
0: Yeah. And I and I think too, I mean, it's is a little bit, you I know, mean, we are so addicted and so distracted by those notifications and those pop-ups. And so trusting that, as you said, it's going to be there when you come back. You're not, you know, nothing's going to be on fire. Few of us, especially as entrepreneurs, deal with anything that's a true crisis or emergency. And so when well, we can have that have that power in ourselves, have that trust in ourselves to so just kind of close it out. I actually interviewed a, someone who, his business was about technology and its impact on workers. And so his goal was actually try to get companies to get down to a four day work week, basically Mm -hmm. by being more efficient and effective and and using technology more appropriately, but it applies to the individual as well. And so Mm -hmm. we talked about, and I'm forgetting the numbers off the top of my head now, but it's something like you get 15 phone notifications in an hour or something insane like that. And our brains are wired to be wanting that next thing to do that next thing to, to be, you know, kind of addicted. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. so being able to, Shut that down. Turn it off. Turn your email off. It's only an hour or two. right? not. So you know, if you if you can get to longer, good for you. But I'm not asking yeah. for that right away, right? you got to start right. somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that's so that's such a great advice for everyone to hear. And I love the one thing too because the other piece of it is it's not only like what's the most important, but it's also what's going to eliminate could potentially eliminate anything else that's distracting you and so or kind of cluttering up your to do list. And so making sure that you're focusing on the, the right thing at the right time. And I think mean, that's something that I talk a lot about with clients as well, because everything feels like a priority yeah. when you're starting out. Everything feels important. Mm-hmm. Everything feels like a priority. And so you're left very overwhelmed, you're kind of scrambling. And so if you can get clear on what's gonna make the most impact, then it just makes it so much easier to make decisions moving forward.
1: Yeah, I I could not agree more. It's like we we were talking about when we were first talking before we got started today about taking time away.
0: Mm -hmm. We
1: always think that there's something that we have to get done. got to get this done today. It's got to be done, got to be done, got to be done. But then eventually, when you actually take a step back and look at it through a different lens, you realize that, yes, this task may be important, but it's not priority A1. It might be priority two, priority three. And you start to tear out what you got in front of you and it makes you realize that, guess what? I could work from nine to five today, get certain things done at the top of the list, and I could take some time away to spend with family, maybe go to dinner, go meet some friends, actually have a life around my business. We fall into that grind culture where we feel that we own a business, we gotta be working 20 hours a day. You know, I don't have any objection personally to if somebody emails me at 10 o'clock at night, if I'm not doing anything, I'll respond. I mean, I understand boundaries and I I understand that we have to have some semblance of a life or we're going to lose our mind as a business owner, right? But I also understand the entrepreneur mindset is my hours are not nine to fives. My Mm -hmm. hours might be 12 to nine, one to 10. It just, it's the beauty of working in your own world as you can create your schedule and it works for you. So if I have a client that maybe I have a client in Arizona, I'm in Pittsburgh that's a three-hour time difference. But if he reaches out to me with a question, I know he's three hours behind me. He's still in grind mode. He's still, and even not, maybe grind mode is the wrong way to say it, because I'm saying that's kind of bad, but he's still working. And if he needs an answer from me, I'm not going to make him wait if I have the ability to respond. Now, if I'm in bed, well, then he will wait till the next day. But I know you have to get to where you can be present as much as possible, but you can also put a boundary on that to where being present also allows you some freedom. Time blocking will allow this to happen because you can even say something as simple as I'm going to respond from to emails from nine to nine 30 and five to five 30. And mm-hmm. I will start and wrap up my day. And that's the only time I look at my email mm-hmm. that's discipline. If you can yeah. get yourself to that point, the productivity that you, cause you go, you're eliminating one of the biggest distractions we all have. What emails are coming and We want to make sure we're on top of things. But if, you almost can get to a point where you're conditioning people that email you that you only get back to them at a certain time.
0: Well, that's exactly what I was thinking about when you started talking about boundaries too, is it's setting up the expectation, right? Mm-hmm. So you having those office hours and making it clear with your clients or the folks that you work with about what those what those are. And there's obviously some tools that you can use to your advantage, delay send or schedule send. I use a lot because I will get caught up on the weekend. i I mean, my husband works every other weekend, so yeah. I don't mind getting caught up when he's at work. Right. And but I will always delay send or use that schedule, so that not because I don't I don't want to put the pressure on the other person to respond right away, but it's because I don't want them to respond to me. And then I <laughs> like I don't want it to become a dialogue, right? I wanted to. Like, right. Here's the thing that I needed to kind of get off my plate, but next week it'll send Monday morning, and I can worry about it then. So setting up some of those boundaries, and then again, removing that expectation that if you don't get to your back to your client right away that they're not going to be upset with you. Right. So, yeah. so having that that appropriate balance there. But yeah, I love what you said about as an entrepreneur, we we don't want to feel like we have to be working all the time. I've I've seen some funny posts of like, I'm so happy I turned in my nine to five
1: for <laughs> yeah, now I work, <laughs> work 24 hours.
0: And so but the I you know I talk a lot about creating your ideal day and thinking about what time do you like waking up? When do you feel most energized and focused during your day and using those times to your best advantage so if yeah. you are kind of wide awake and ready to roll in the morning and that's your focus time then let's not schedule all our podcast interviews for first thing in the morning because right. that's better time for you to be thinking about you know future work and and mapping things out mm-hmm. and then in the afternoon you do all your conversations or vice versa right whatever makes sense but yeah right you get to make those decisions as an entrepreneur. Yeah. And that's really exciting.
1: That's my favorite part. Yeah. You're not, you're not being governed by someone saying you have to be here from this hour to this hour. You can make it work for you. If you want to take the morning to do your thing, go kayaking, go running, do whatever you do, and then get to your work in the afternoon, the world is yours.
0: Yeah. Love it. Love it. All right. I have a couple rapid fire questions that I've realized more and more are becoming great conversation starters as well. So are you a morning person or a night person? You've already kind of answered this, but
1: well, it's so funny as I've gotten older, I I've never was a morning person before, but now I just, I've got myself in that habit of getting up earlier because I wanted for me, the the routine of getting to the gym, doing something exercise wise, isn't going to happen if I don't do it in the morning. Mm -hmm. I just know that I have that mental block and I've accepted it and embraced it. Get up in the morning and go do your thing, dude. Because for me, it gives me more energy. It gives me more clarity. And I feel like having developed this morning routine that allows me to come at my podcast interviews with more clarity, it just helps with everything. So working out, try to do a little bit of reading, meditate for 15 to 20 minutes. Just puts me in a good spot for the rest of my day. So I guess, like I said before, I'm a night owl. I'll do some work later to calm down because that's just the geek in me, I guess, but if I had to pick between the two, I'd say at this point in my life, definitely a morning person. Yeah,
0: oh, I love it. That's great, and and I think that changes as people get older too. I've noticed when I ask those questions because I used to be such a late, like night owl. I would stay up easy until one or two o'clock in the morning. I would just too. get super focused, no distractions. Yeah. Like that was my time to shine. Yeah, and. Now that I've gotten a little bit older, I've actually started getting up at five, which is something that I tout on my website is like, you don't have to, you don't have to, you <laughs> right. don't have to, but I also live in an incredibly hot climate. And so if I need to do any workout, if I want to get outside, it has to be like before seven o'clock or I'm going to melt. So yeah. ha- you know, it has to make sense for you, but it does feel better to get it done in the morning.
1: I've I a couple of people and I, I mean, one of them is Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. I mean, I know that that's who doesn't follow that guy. But I mean, there's a couple other entrepreneurs that I've connected with along the way. And they, they constantly talk about getting up at four o'clock. I have I've done it before, but it was never like a planned thing. But I will say when it's happened, because there are times I'll I don't know if this happens to you, Chelsea, but every now and then I'll wake up with this idea. And then I'm like, well, there's just no point in laying here. I'm going to have to start doing something with this. So I get up and I get started. I've had that ha- happen around the four o'clock window before. And I'm like, damn, this is good, but I can't get there every day for whatever reason. I think like, okay, I'm going to start doing this tomorrow's another four o'clock day. And then at four o'clock, I'm like, nah, I'm going to mm-hmm. go with my six <laughs> 30.
0: No, I'm, I'm a slow, I'm getting up at five, but I'm like, I'm not a real person until like six. Like I'm, I'm a slow coffee <laughs> journal, like easy, yeah. low, low uh. Yeah. mental load
1: I, well my biggest issue i think that hurts me is going to bed mm-hmm. i know that like, it's a funny thing that me and my dad joke about because he had told me back at a young age that nothing good happens after nine o'clock so like because we talk, you know we always go out to the bars and he did it too when he was younger But when i was younger i'd be going out and he'd always say that he's like what real what good really happens you go out, you make an ass of yourself, you come home, you do the thing the next night. You think of crime, it's always late at night. So like that lesson that wasn't, I don't even know if it was a lesson, it was just something he said, it always stuck with me. But now I'm at a point where I'm like, well, I don't go out anymore. So why aren't I in bed at nine? <laughs> I just can't do it. I, whether it's catching up with something on Netflix or reading or doing work, whatever. I'm just in that mindset. Like my brain doesn't shut down till around 10, 30. Mm-hmm. But if I could do nine o'clock, I could realistically see getting up between four and five every day. I just haven't been able to discipline myself to do nine o'clock consistently.
0: And sometimes some of that is, I, I actually wrote a whole post on prototypes. I, I could nerd about this all day and we don't have the time, but <laughs> it, that is, some of it is genetic. Like some of it is wired into our DNA about when we are going to wake up most naturally and when we're going to go to sleep most naturally. And so we can yeah. manipulate it to some extent, but it's it's not something that we have full control over and that that made me feel a little bit better about some of my bad sleep habits for a long time as well but now i'm going you know i'm, I'm still have to force myself into bed sometimes yeah but i'm getting better at that so it's, it's a work <laughs> in progress for sure Right on. all right paper and pen are all digital for your planning and organizing
1: oh boy I do, I hate to split the difference again, but it's a little bit of both. And it mm-hmm. really depends on what the project is. I mean, I use a lot of, I think note, note writer pro on my iPad, cause I'll use my Apple pencil for certain things, but sometimes it's just a nice fresh sheet of paper and a pencil or I, I, one of the last big things I did with my, all of my business practices was I just wanted, I re- wanted to rethink some things. So I mind mapped on a big poster board with a Sharpie, yeah, two or three different colors, it. Sharpie. And, and and to me, I was, okay, this is what I needed for this. Mind mapping on my iPad right now, doesn't seem big enough. I want to really have this big piece of paper to look at. So I think I let the situation dictate, but probably more towards digital.
0: Okay. Right, love that. Yeah, I'm a very tactile person. So when it's big yeah. planning it, you have, to, you have to be able to touch it and move it. And I understand that. Right. All right, what's your favorite way to relax?
1: It's ironic, but golf, because you get out there sometimes and you have to convince yourself you're having fun. Sometimes if you're having a crappy round, I was playing with my friends a couple of weeks ago and I, I kept, I couldn't putt like I was having a good round, but I'd get to the green and just. Fall apart. I kept saying, I kept missing putts. I just kept looking at my friends and go, We're having fun. This is fun. I love this. This is a great time. This is relaxing. But I've been playing golf since I was seven years old. So I can joke about that and say that, you know, I know there's going to be some good rounds. I know there's going to be some bad rounds, but there's, for whatever reason, and maybe it's just the geek in me, I know a lot of golfers feel this way as well, though there's something relaxing and therapeutic in that challenge. Mm -hmm. There's nobody else you can blame for a crappy golf round but yourself. And I like to come into it with the mentality of just, obviously I'm here to have fun and unwind and relax and not worry about things and escape for a few hours, but I want to challenge myself to shoot well. And I'm constantly on a mission to try to break 80, which is, I mean, for like a pro golfer, that's terrible. But for someone like me that, you know, yeah, I've been playing a while, but I just, I know where I'm at. That's a big accomplishment. So I try to push myself to do that each and every time. And like I said, there's something therapeutic in that and just having those, again, I want to talk about practice swings. I've been taking practice swings since I was seven years old, so yeah, it's for me just to get out and be outside and, and, and have that atmosphere. It's always a good time, always makes me recharge and get ready for the next day.
0: Oh, wonderful! Oh, that's great. I love that. It, oh, good for you.
1: I know I've been better, I've gotten better at it over the last 34 years, but
0: where would be the best place for people to find you and follow along and get some of the great advice on podcasting.
1: Come on over to JasonSircon.com. And I've got a lot of free resources on my website for podcast guesting and and really understanding how to sink your teeth into being a good podcast guest. You can go to JasonSircon.com slash podcast love, and you can opt in to get my personal branding guide It's called Eight Simple Ways to Grow Your Personal Brand with Podcasting. And I got some good tips and strategies in there that you can implement immediately. And for anybody that's listening to this that is looking for a fun, innovative way to grow their personal brand, podcasting is the stage for you to tell your story and really make some inroads towards growth and evolution. And I would love to have that conversation with anybody to help you understand how it can help you.
0: Wonderful. And I'll make sure that all of that is linked in the show notes, but this has been a wonderful conversation. And I really appreciate all your wonderful advice and insights on podcasting and entrepreneurship and time management. So thank you so much for being here today.
1: Thanks for the opportunity, Chelsea. I really appreciated getting to talk to you and to talk to your great audience.
0: Thank you for enjoying another episode of From Overwhelmed to Under Control. I hope you're feeling one step closer to your goals. Don't forget to check out the show notes and follow along on Instagram at Chelsea Coaching. I look forward to talking to you soon.